Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. So I'm Rory. Um, uh, Denise is going to say more about herself in the seminar. Um, I'm afraid the bad news is you've just got me for the first little bit here. Um, some of you might know me and some I'm sure don't. Um, I was born and reared in Bangor here. Um, I came to faith as a teenager and was discipled through the Scripture Union and through Crusaders. Studied at Queen's and was a GP in Bangor. And then about uh, nearly seven years ago, went out with uh, CMS Ireland uh, to work in Chwoko Hospital, which is a hospital in rural Uganda, which was started some years ago by a Bangor man. Uh, what I'm going to share now, and probably what Denise will share in the seminar too, obviously is a bit focused around Africa and about Uganda. It's not because we only think the Lord loves Uganda, um, but that's our experience. Um, and obviously, um, hopefully most of what we share about is relevant to every other bit of the world, but forgive us for being focused on that. I'm a doctor, so again, many of my thinking and examples are around medicine in a doctor way. Um, forgive me for that, but hopefully, again, it spills on to lots of other things. That's sort of what's about to happen. Um, if you're the sort of person who likes prophecy, that hopefully has some reflection on what's about to take place. If you walk through the doors of Chwoko, um, or the gates of Chwoko, this is what sits before you. It's on the end of our building um, that is our outpatients department, and it's a summary of who we are. Um, and our little catchphrase, we treat Jesus heals. And we're Church of Uganda Hospital, um, but in practice the hospital, although that's its constitution, we're a very uh, interdenominational bunch, um, lots of Pentecostals and various other things. Um, and maybe that's even why God chooses to bless what we do. Just want to think for a minute, what is Christian healthcare? What is healthcare um, in Choco and, and other mission, mission outfits? I was in a discussion in Uganda uh, a few years ago about this, and some people uh, very forcefully were saying Christian healthcare is healthcare done by Christians. Other people said it was healthcare done for Christians, and strongly believed that that's what they should be doing, they should be treating Christians. Um, other people thought it should be to make Christians as an evangelistic tool. Other people thought it should be in the style of Christians, whatever that was, um, but I took that maybe to mean in the style of Christ. If Christ was a doctor, what would he be doing, or what did we see in the Bible? And maybe there's a bit of truth in all those things, some more than others. Um, for the next 25 minutes, I'm probably going to ask more questions and give answers and just stir some thinking and share some thoughts. Um, medicine is a fantastic tool for evangelism and showing people that God loves them. Um, I'm deeply uneasy at the thought that I would just care for someone in the hope that they might um, see salvation and go for it, much as I think they really need salvation if they don't have it. And uh, Jesus clearly taught and preached and healed, but of the ten lepers, only one came back and said, thanks. But I, I don't get the sense that Jesus unhealed the other nine. Um, and in the work that I believe I'm called to do, um, I'm so excited when people come to the Lord through the work that we do. Um, but even if not, the fact that we've been healing people, I think, brings in the kingdom of God and brings in the wholeness, at least part of the wholeness of what goes on. Um, uh, we meet many folk who have been at the hospital, um, and we see them sometime later. And it's interesting hearing people's testimonies that they were at the hospital and they'd 
no interest for any of the spiritual things they met with us, but when they went home, then they thought about it, and we hear all sorts of things afterwards. There's not a lot of papers to quote um, around what we're talking about today. Um, uh, this one probably isn't a high-powered uh, bit of research. It was just a survey done. Um, but there's an awful lot of people pass through mission hospitals across the world. In Chwoko, there's about 100,000 people pass through our doors or our gates every year. That's a lot of people. Um, and uh, a big evangel uh, evangelical church like this, a lot of people pass through each year, but I I'd be amazed if there was 100,000 pass through um, Hamilton Road Presbyterian a year. And of those, we have some keen Christians, we have some keen Muslims, uh, we have folks who attend worship and it doesn't mean much to them, and it's a fantastic opportunity to share the gospel with them in some fashion. It's also a real challenge um, on a busy day whenever there aren't enough doctors and enough nurses and we're trying to treat people, how do you have time to pray with people and share the gospel? Um, but if we can master those things, then things really take place. I don't know how many people would come to faith through the work in the hospital every year. Um, we treated about 50,000 patients. Um, how many of those found faith? I don't know, but I, at a good guess, probably a couple of thousand anyway, um, through the work of the hospital directly and through the, the mission work that, that goes on out in the community as well. But as well as actually just getting people into the kingdom of God, the witness that we are can be much more than that. Um, the Choco Hospital sometimes has its staff sent to us from the government um, because they're performing so poorly in the government. They want to send them to us for sort of remedial um, work. Um, we're not very keen to have that role, I would have to say, to have guys who are so bad at their job in the government they're sent to us. But it is interesting that um, some of the secular bits around us in Uganda recognize that what we do is of quality. <clears throat> so, the medical team of Chwoko, um, or at least a few months ago, so there's uh, six doctors there, one student and uh, one nurse who's our sort of second most senior nurse. Why does Uganda, why does anyone need doctors? If we've got some doctors, why am I there at all? Um, Shirley mentioned something about numbers. Um, so, in the UK, there's about one doctor for every 260 people, um, more or less. Um, in Uganda, there's about one doctor for every 26,000 people. Um, uh, so the, the numbers are very different. Uh, and certainly in Uganda, probably like here, they're very skewed towards centers of population or, or, or just cities. So Kampala has about 80% of the doctors. Um, Kampala has about 20% of the population of Uganda. Um, so in rural areas, those statistics are even worse and even more skewed. Um, on top of that, um, many Ugandan doctors, I find, don't want to have roles of leadership. There's all sorts of things in our culture that makes that quite difficult. Um, and I have a few really good doctors who really want to run away from leadership and trying to draw them into that is very challenging. Um, so the large part of my role in Choco is actually not doing the medicine, it's trying to lead the medical team and try and help develop them. Some folks would think that um, a doctor who had a nice general practice in Bangor gave up a lot to go and work in Uganda. And there's obviously a bit of truth to that, but my colleagues, my senior colleagues, have given up more. Uh, some of my Ugandan doctors, uh, Peter, who's sort of standing behind me in the, in the row there, and James in the, in the scrubs, they both could be earning huge amounts of money, relatively speaking, in Kampala. They could be earning thousands of pounds a month, and they're not. They're up with us, earning a pittance because they feel God has called them to be with us. Um, and 
I know sometimes they even get in trouble with their families. Their families want them to earn money and support the wider extended family. And here they are uh, working up country. And I know sometimes fathers and mothers can be very hard on them for doing that. Not always, but certainly it's the case. When thinking, thinking of working overseas and doing medical mission, um, there's lots of different ways you could do it. Um, there's uh, development type stuff, which we're involved with um, in terms of us being in one place for a long time and trying to develop the people round about us and work with the team. It's almost entirely different if you're off to work in a place that's had an earthquake or working up um, with refugees on a border with Sudan, whatever it happens to be, very different ways of working. Um, one might not be any better than the other, but, but if you're thinking of working overseas, you need to think about what, what sort of personality am I and what would, I, what would work for me, what I have the energy and enthusiasm for, what would God call me to? A big thing also is how much are we actually doing the medicine and how much are we trying to train others to do the medicine? Um, I confess I, I quite enjoy treating people. Um, maybe that's why I ended up being a doctor. And actually when people are sick and they get better, I sort of feel quite good about that. Um, but the less medicine I do and the more administration I do, the, the better the hospital works. I don't think it's just because I'm an awful doctor, but um, whenever we're uh, working overseas, it's great to do it yourself, it's very fulfilling. But actually, however long we're going to be there, we're going to leave. And if we can train a team to take over from us, that's obviously far better. But that's, that's not, not a short-term fix. Um, uh, I've been in Choco for heading on for seven years. And when I started, there wasn't really much of a team. Um, now we have a team and we're working, but there's still a long way to go before um, I'm not needed, I think. Um, are specialists needed overseas or are generalists needed overseas? Um, you know, did, you make, did you make a, a career error when you decided to be a surgeon because actually only GPs are needed in Africa or the other way around? Um, clearly everybody's needed in different places and it depends where you are. Um, so for my role, sort of overseeing the work of a hospital like ours, being a generalist as my background's a pretty good background. But actually if I could have a doctor tomorrow, a pediatrician's what I'd really like right now. Someone who actually has skills in that area, that's our biggest gap in the hospital at the moment. Um, but everyone's different. You could end up in a place when you're the only doctor and you need to know a bit about absolutely everything, um, probably much more than a GP would. Um, and there's other places, maybe the, the gap they need is an anaesthetist or whatever. Um, so whatever you're interested in, whatever you're training for, great, go with it. Um, uh, and then the trick is maybe if you're thinking of working overseas at some time, trying to match your skills uh, with, with a place that actually needs your skills, not necessarily somebody else's skills. Should Christians work in the unreached world? Um, uh, places, maybe Muslim nations that are very closed and medicine's a way of getting in um, and a way of quietly sharing our faith? Yeah, we should. Should Christians work in a place like Uganda that actually has more, a greater proportion of Christians than here in the UK? And obviously, yes, we should. But two very different places to work and two very different uh, ways of working probably. Um, and if you're thinking of working overseas, you need to think a bit about which bit of that would work with you. Although Uganda is full of lots of Christians, um, actually the depth of the faith and the skills of the church leaders is very thin. Um, and as, as a hospital, we've certainly been quite involved in trying to train church leaders. We have a pastor's conference every year, uh, supported actually by this church um, and lots of other things. Do you work overseas like us? in a separate mission type hospital 
or do you work in the state system? Um, we don't want to uh, be in, in competition with the state system, but in practice sometimes it feels like that. Um, uh, if you can work in the state system and you can build it up, that's wonderful. Um, we haven't felt that we could do that, um, but there's certainly other folks I know working in, in, particularly in some different countries, who are fully engaged in the state system and trying to build it up. And obviously if that's possible, that's wonderful. And maybe a last question around this. Is it, is it good to go for short-term trips? Is it good to go for longer term? Um, clearly everything's good, and um, sometimes folks coming for short-term stuff is really helpful. That mightn't come out very well, but there's sort of an idea that a lot of folks go out for a year or two, um, and then stretching way down here, this end of the poke, um, uh, there's not very many folk work overseas for 40 years. Um, but I pulled this out of, a, out of a book, and it was trying to suggest that really seven years to sort of 14, 15 years is a most useful time. Um, now this was particularly in the context of church planting, but actually my sense is that's probably true for an awful lot of things. Um, and we have folks come to us in Chihuahua for a year, and the right person coming for a year is really useful to us. Um, but someone coming and working overseas for a number of years can understand how the country works a lot better, um, can learn the language a lot more than someone can in a year, um, can have a standing in the community to be able to say sometimes some difficult things. Um, but if you're going to go overseas for 20 years, then you need to start it sooner rather than later. If you wait for your retirement, um, you, mightn't, you mightn't succeed with all of that. But obviously more about short-term trips uh, later. Um, but if you can go for longer, then that's good. But then you need to think about it soon. Preparing yourself. Um, whenever you go to work in a place like Uganda, um, there's lots of things you'll need to uh, be ready for that um, you mightn't be ready for now. Um, some of those are very medical, but many of them are not at all. Uh, if it comes time for you to go and work overseas, um, usually there's some training done then. But I want to think about some things that actually are done long before you would ever ever be at that point. These sort of things. Um, so obviously there's very training related things whenever you're going to work. Do you go to Bible college or do you not go to Bible college? Um, do you go into a diploma in tropical medicine or some sort of training in that? Um, both very good things, uh, both also not critical. Um, uh, but years before you could be doing things to try and work towards that. So you could have an interest in tropical medicine and if there's cases in your hospital or your ward, read them up and learn a bit about them. Um, you don't have to go to Bible college to study the Bible. Why not do some of it in the meantime? And whether you end up overseas or not, that would do, stand you in good stead. Um, and there's many things that my job, um, I did not learn in Queens. Um, how deep a latrine should be, um, if the maternity ward columns are strong enough, um, uh, why the car won't start. There's many things that um, uh, it's really useful to learn um, and some things you really don't want to learn but they're handy to have. So there's very little in life that will not be of use to you uh, ending up overseas. Self-discipline. If you end up in a place overseas, there's a good chance that the checks and balances around you of friends and professionals to call you into line whenever you're just taking a few standard deviations too far. They just won't be there to call you into line. And my Ugandan friends are very respectful of authority and very respectful of white people and find it very difficult for them to tell me, Rory, what you're doing isn't right. Um, so, that, so we need to work really hard at the compass in us, however that works for you, that um, 
make sure you sort of pray regularly in some sort of way or whenever you really can't be bothered caring for the the person in front of you who in some way you think I just can't be bothered caring for you actually you can get over that and really care for them really well um, uh, those things can't be taught in a week and can't be learnt in a course at Bible college but those things need to be deep deep within us if we're going to work overseas where the accountability systems aren't so strong time and when should we go um, so do we go um, whenever we're fully trained and we're fully ready to go that's a good idea, but I would um, suggest that probably no, none of us would ever go then. Um, uh, do we go after our degree? Do we go whenever we've got a few years of experience? Do, go, do we go whenever we've got our completion of training certificate? Do we go after a few years of being a consultant so we've more skills? I'm afraid there's no right answer. Um, but certainly for us in Choco, um, we tend to say no to people who want to come and work with us sort of after FY2. Well, I have a number of folk who write to me and say, can I come out for a year or for six months? And we've had a couple of folk, and sometimes it can work well, but often people who are quite junior, it's just such a leap and it's quite a challenge. Now, there may well be folk here who've been out then, and it was good for you and good for the place you worked, and sometimes it is. But we've certainly found um, folks coming out uh, in their registrar type years with a number of years experience uh, can quickly be really useful and be in a place where also they can learn a lot and make good personal use of the time with us as well. Um, it's interesting if you're planning to go overseas long term do you get that certificate of completion so when you come back you can sort of slot in and be a consultant um, and who knows there's benefits in both. For a place like Chwoko it would be actually the most useful thing for folks to come to us at that level. And then as we try and plug into the national training program, we have sort of signed off consultant level people, and then we can stand with the National Teaching Hospital and say, we can teach these juniors. Do you wait for retirement? Um, certainly there's folks who, who go overseas when they've retired. Um, there's probably some people here who've done that. Um, certainly a good friend who we recently shared, you know, I thought of going overseas and I'm not going to do it now, but you know, I've realized I'm not going to do it when I retire because I want to see my grandchildren. Um, and some of, some of the younger folk, um, even younger than me, um, may not have thought about that, but waiting for your retirement when you get there may not be just as easy as you think at the moment. And if you are thinking of going overseas, when the day comes when you decide it's all signed off, the mission agency has agreed and said, you're not crazy, we think we should send you overseas. I mean, you are crazy, we should send you overseas. Um, it can take still quite a while to get there. Um, it probably took me about two, two and a half years between deciding, I think this is something I really want to pursue and actually ending up with my feet on the, on the soil of Chwoko. Um, so don't be despondent if it seems to be taking a while. Finance, um, obviously, how does it all get financed when you get there? But I just want to think, if you're thinking of working overseas, try not to collect too much debt. It may be pretty hard as a student not to have some debt, but the more debt you gather, the more of a challenge it can be whenever you stop having a job that gives you money. Um, and then you're caught with, goodness, well, how do I service this now? And can I persuade people to support me when actually it's paying off a bit of debt? Um, uh, so think about that before you have too many nice holidays as a student. It might be better to have less holidays and less debt. Um, should you get a house and a mortgage and then have somewhere to come back to? Um, who knows what the right thing is? Should you try and work on a pension? Um, I'll give no answers to those and let you think about them. Family life. Is it good to go as a single person? Should you wait until you're married? Um, uh, should you wait until you have your kids? Is it okay to have your kids in overseas? 
there's no answer at all. Um, so um, there's pros and cons of everything, but you've got to be settled in your own heart, whatever's going on. Um, I certainly uh, have some friends who have been single and thought, I can't possibly go and work overseas until I've sort of found my husband. If that's the case, well then don't go overseas because that's not going to be sensible. Um, I'm in the position where I went to Uganda as a single man and came back married to a lovely Irish lady. Um, so God can do all sorts of odd things. Um, and children, again, it's up to you. There's no point in planning to go and work overseas if you're going to spend your whole life terrified that your son's going to get malaria. Uh, unlikely as it is, and you can work with it, but if it's just going to ruin your life and stop your ministry, well, then that's just not going to be a good idea. Um, obviously, we, we've had our son in Uganda. He hasn't yet had malaria. Uh, he loves his life in Uganda, and we think it's a great place for him for now. But that's not for everyone. You've got to weigh these things up for yourself. Education obviously fits into all that too. Um, and there's ways around all the education challenges. Um, if anyone in the audience is qualifying as a teacher in a year's time and fancies coming to Uganda to teach a little boy, we'd love to see her. Um, but things can get trickier as time goes on. Home support. Um, again, not in the about-to-go sense, but in the maybe in some year's time you'll go overseas. If you're thinking of going to work overseas, it's probably not a good time to change churches would be one suggestion I would make. It might be everyone's different and every church is different, but having, for me, having had a, a church to support me um, whenever I've been and we've been in Uganda, a church that knew me from when I was a wee lad um, has been really significant and people in that church who really pray for us, um, a church that feels that their, their boy has gone overseas and feels they want to get behind and raise money um, has been very significant for me. Um, and even for me, also a church that knows my mum and is conscious that I'm not around and looks out for my mum is a massively significant thing. Um, so all those things, it's really useful to have a church that you feel is home. And certainly we feel that the parish I grew up in is our sort of spiritual home and is a place that we can look to for all sorts of things. Agency location, um, do you go with a mission agency? Do you just head off on your own? Where do you go to? Um, I must say I think it's pretty good to go with someone who looks out for you. Um, uh, I went through a process with, with uh, CMS Ireland that tried to see was, it, was I the sort of person who should work overseas and I found that for me a very helpful process. Um, uh, if you're talking to a mission agency uh, and they've got a lot of ownership over you and they're not letting you speak to anyone else, I would be a bit cautious about that. CMS were very good and said, talk to us, we'll see. You know, we're not going to hold on to you. If you want to talk to other people, that's good as well. And when it comes to where you go and work and what you work as, um, I would encourage you not to just go with the first person who suggests something to you. Um, if you turn up to a mission agency and say, you know, I'm a, I'm a doctor, I've got all these qualifications and I'd, I'd like to work overseas, um, they're probably very keen to have you. Um, I wouldn't take it as a as a sign of guidance from the Lord that they have a job open for a doctor overseas. I can tell you there's quite a few of those. Um, and try to squeeze your skills into a box that aren't quite right for you just because that's what they really want. Don't go with it. Um, I'm not saying mission agencies are bad. I think they're great. But obviously, whoever you're talking to may have a particular agenda. So weigh it up for yourself and see, is this really me? And it might be in they're trying with God's direction to put you into something that you aren't quite. Um, uh, it's most unlikely if you've trained in Northern Ireland, you are the right shape to fit into any job overseas. Um, but it may be that one fits you better. So don't be scared to put something a bit on hold and look around a bit to try and see what's the right thing. 
I was going to tell a story, but I'm afraid you've missed the story because I'm talking too much. Um, but we're going to talk again. <clears throat> Just a quick aside into a few professional issues. Um, registration. If you're going to work overseas, show respect for the country and be registered in whatever way you should. Um, there's very few countries in the world don't have some registration process for professionals and it would be entirely appropriate to get registered there. It's probably a bit of a pain, it's probably a bit of a hassle, but it's probably possible to do. Um, and certainly folks coming to work with us in Uganda, we would, um, all our doctors would register and go through the process. And it just takes a bit of organization that we get the papers a few months before and leave them in. And it's a waste of 70 pounds, but we've sort of shown respect for the authorities there. Um, and registration for here, if you work overseas, how do you keep registered here? Um, it's probably a good thing to do, but it depends on your profession and how your professional body does it. Um, all professional bodies in the UK seem to change their rules every time you look, um, but it's still a good thing to try and do. Part of that ties in, certainly for doctors, with revalidation and all those things. Um, I'm afraid if you're looking for wisdom on that, I don't have an answer because um, uh, the GMC don't have an answer at the minute, exactly how it's going to work for folks like me who work elsewhere. It seems if I can keep my appraisals going um, and if I have a responsible, responsible officer who'll sign off my appraisals and me as being a good doctor, it's fine. But at the minute, there's great uncertainty as to who a responsible officer would be for someone like me. Sorry if you're not in the world of uh, doctorness at the minute and responsible officer sounds crazy to you. Um, these are one of the things going on. Um, if you're planning to come back and work here sometime soon and you can do it at all, try and have it so it's working. And there's a good chance you can find someone to appraise you and uh, maybe you can stay on a register and stay with a responsible officer. Um, if not, keep watching the space. There's a lot of work being done. Christian Medical Fellowship, I've been talking a lot to the GMC about these things. And there's lots of bits of ideas, but um, the ideas keep changing. Um, but it's not hard to get some sort of an appraisal. Um, and alternatively, it's not hard to keep a folder of stuff. Obviously, when I say it's not hard, like anything else, um, you never get around to doing it. Um, so I have bits of a folder of bits of stuff. Um, but if you can, it's good to do. Indemnity, if it's possible, keep indemnity insurance. It depends where you're working. There's some places in the world are so remote, nobody will sue you. Uganda is no longer one of those places, and in Uganda, we probably have about a, every year a couple of letters from lawyers trying to complain about what we've done. Now, none of them have yet stuck in any way at all. What we do is usually pretty good, um, but mistakes happen, and you will make mistakes, especially at two in the morning when you're practicing outside your competence. Um, if you can have insurance, it's good. Um, Whenever I went to work in Uganda, I spoke to the MDU, who I'd been with for many years, and said, you know, can you insure me? And they said, no, we don't insure in Uganda. Um, at that stage, the MPS were happy to insure you over, overseas. So I joined the MPS for a year and then moved overseas, and they've been insuring me since um, for about a tenth or a hundredth of what it was to be a GP. Just a few thoughts on supporting others overseas. Um, really just the last thing I want to think about. Um, obviously, most of what I've said at the minute is focused on if you're thinking of working overseas, here's some thoughts. Here's some thoughts if you're not gonna go and work overseas or, or not for now anyway, or maybe you've been overseas and you're not going again for a while. Clearly not everyone should go and work in Uganda. Um, if we all went to Uganda, then um, it'd be great for Uganda, but we'd 
or the country would collapse or something. So not everyone should go. Support people who go overseas. Um, lots of different things you can do. Um, I'm a great fan of knowing about the world. If you don't have a map, then you're not serious about supporting overseas. Everyone should have a map of the world in their house and know about, about the world. And they're great. You can get these things for about a pound these days in those 50p bookshops. It's good to give money, good to give your money. Um, but also, if you're a professional, you probably have influence with lots of friends around you with money. Um, use your influence to encourage some of your friends to give money. Um, uh, people who support us include a number of people who are not Christians at all. Uh, colleagues who worked with me, worked with Denise, and thought we were okay people amazingly, and think that what we're doing is good, even though they don't understand the, the Christian mission side of it. Um, so if you're here, organize some fundraising things for your friends. Um, if you're working in a profession, um, you're a lot richer than many others, particularly doctors, so um, find some way of getting money out of your rich colleagues. Um, learn to pray. Um, Sadly, um, it seems to me that my generation um, isn't so great at praying compared to the people I'm following. Um, some of the, the people in church who I see dying these days um, in our home church, and I see how much they are people of prayer, and I'm just not up to it. Um, but I'm sure we should learn to pray. A good way of supporting folks overseas is to look out for their interests here. I've shared, shared with, with you that you know, people who look out for my mum are very significant to me because it gives me more confidence whenever I'm not here. And I know if there's a problem, I can even phone up people and say, look, could you ever go around and, and see what's going on? And although that's rarely needed, the fact I know I can do that with some friends is very important. Being home in furlough, we, we got home in April. Um, I confess I'm never really sure where home is, and I find it quite depressing to come back to Bangor, beautiful as it is. Um, and some of the most useful things people did in the first few weeks of being home were the people who gave us some groceries to get us started, who gave us some, uh, a trailer full of logs for the fire, uh, things that don't seem very spiritual. I'm sure there were other people praying, and that was great, but actually some of those things were the most useful in our first few weeks home. A good way to support people is to release them to go. Um, if your friend's thinking of working overseas, or your daughter or, or your mother, um, don't give them a guilt trip for leaving you. Encourage them and free them up to go. Just a few resources. Um, Crisp Medical Fellowship have a little booklet on working uh, abroad. Um, you can download it from their website, so if you Google CMF, then you'll find them. They also do a developing health course every year for two weeks for people working overseas, thinking of working overseas. Um, it's held in London. You can go along for a day or a morning. Um, it's good to go to for a week if you can. You could even uh, put it against CME type stuff. It's useful for the, the facts that you learn, but it's also useful for the talking to people who are there. If you're thinking of working overseas, telling the folk who have been or preparing to go, it's a really useful thing. It's really aimed for doctors and nurses and midwives. Um, we'd strongly encourage you to think about it. A few books that I read years ago, I'm thinking it shows my age probably, uh, Why Bother With Mission by Steve Gockroger and Who'd Be a Missionary that was published in 1973 apparently. Um, I'm sure there must be better ones these days. They're not really around specifically medical mission, um, but lots of related things. I think there's no time for questions, but uh, in the, the melee of things, um, please do um, chat with myself and Denise and all the rest. Thanks for listening. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.